Warning, this podcast has stories of real-life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. No, Chuck. And uh, we are back with a guest this week, and this is a this is a fun crossover episode. Chuck, we uh, for those of you who have been following, we did a Chuck arranged a cool crossover. So, kind of explain to everybody how that all came about. Yeah, I saw. I've seen Steve's stuff for a while now on Instagram and things like that, and, and seen him post. And I was like, oh, you know, that'd be really great to do a crossover. You know, get another cop podcast with another cop podcast share stories go back and forth cross promote things like that so i reached out and you know he was happy to do it so we did two guest spots on um his his show tom went first i went second and then now we're doing it um for him coming on to our show so welcome steve from things police see the podcast you're the host and you're now our guest so turnabout is fair play welcome to our house now yeah create all the content we can you know i remember the first time i saw you guys <clears throat> pop up in the uh in the uh when i was looking around other police podcasts and some sure. stories great these guys are telling more stories too <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's uh you know there's there's a couple people out there doing it i i i picked the name years and years ago because we we're always swapping war stories like i said and then it turns out like lieutenant colonel oliver north had a podcast called war stories and i was like oh yeah i'm gonna get totally demolished by that that's what happened out, to no. me. No, I'm. <laughs> I, I do better than he does. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was trying to like brainstorm titles, and same thing. I just kept war stories. Kept going to military. Yeah, and I've yeah. never even been in the military, so I was like, oh man, I'm gonna look like a real poser yeah. to do that. So, yeah, it's a good title. Fits you guys well. Yeah, we Luckily, have the military. Like, what's that? I said we have the military aspect from yep. me, and then we don't just do war stories though. We do do tactical debriefs now yeah we've been we've gone into people sending us you know uh clips or talking about things that are in the news uh as far as police work and and we'll we'll debrief it and instead of just like smack talking it yeah we smack talk it a little bit but we'll actually go through the good police work the bad police work you know those kinds of things and so because that's the way you learn you know you, you fuck up you get put on blast that's how you learn if you never get put on blast you'll never learn and you'll keep doing the same dumb fucking mistakes Time and time again. So right. that's what we want to force feed that shit. Yeah. And it's yeah. fun. It's fun. Absolutely. So anyway, so Steve, welcome to our show. And let's uh let's start with how we always start. Uh, why don't you tell our audience what little Steve's journey was to get into law enforcement? Because you're on the East Coast now, but you started out on the West Coast with an agency right. near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I know Chuck's got a lot of connections to it as well the los angeles police department am i correct right you're the timeline's a little little different but you're those things are true yeah so talk, to us, talk, <laughs> talk to us about how you ended up going through all that all right so i actually started as a cop in massachusetts ah. um then went to la and then came back but a lot of people i think on one of my social media things it says cape cod kid in la or something so it kind of confuses everybody i gotta update my stuff but so i was very much the kid whose dad was a cop 
Um, so growing up, he was a cop on Cape Cod. He would come home for meals in uniform. Um, I was a kid that was like every single time you sat down, cuss your gun, cuss your gun after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had yeah. all the cap guns, you know, I was like, oh, I just, yeah. I loved, um, I mean, it certainly helps. My dad's a good guy. Like he, he, he was, he's a good father. He was a good police officer and my whole life, just seeing him in uniform, being friends with other cops, families, and then um, just seeing how people reacted to him in public. Like, even if like, Hey, you want to go to the, dump? we got to go to the dump. We're going to go to the hardware store. There was always somebody that knew him or somebody that he helped or like on the flip side, there would be times when he'd be like, Hey, put your hood up. We're going to go into this part of the store or we're going right. to go over here. Cause somebody bad you know like that type of right. thing that that when you're young too is cool you're like wow right oh wow yeah. bad guys loose at my dad one at one time put in jail yeah, so yeah. i grew up with that and um it was like as much as i fought it there was really no other like profession i was really like really interested in like he actually he talked me out of being a criminal justice major when i went to college mm -hmm. he's, like, he's like you can be a cop with a high school diploma just and I was always interested in computers. So he's like, just get, why don't you do computers or business or something? And, um, Sounds so like I, my dad. yeah, it's smart, you know, cause then you have yeah, something else to fall back on. I gave that same piece of advice. Do not get a degree in criminal justice, get it in something useful. They'll teach you the criminal justice stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You'll get it <laughs> all in six too. months, you know, boom. I yes. got that degree in criminal justice. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> mm. So that, that in three fifty, you'll get me a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right that's the value yeah so anyway go ahead so um i said i got a graduate computer degree mm -hmm. and i graduated uh from a state school and went and did a worked in um the insurance field for like two months and like i was on break and it just felt so unfulfilling being like in a biz business setting like selling insurance yeah it was like a um long-term care type thing and it was like one of those things when they, you call and you're like, you, you have relatives that are like, Hey, you don't want to get into this. You right. don't want to be living off sales, but I was 22. And right. you talk to the sales manager, he brings you in. He's like, no, no, these are, he's like, no cold calling. We provide you with people that said they yeah, were right. interested. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll give it a try. Cause it was close to home and I didn't want to move somewhere. And Cape Cod's isolated. It's a peninsula. That's, you know, it's two hours from Boston. It's really, right. it's its own little autonomous thing. So, you know, within, within a month, the leads were gone and they're like, the manager's like, you know, grab a phone book, kid, like make some calls. And I'm like, wait, you said we didn't, we weren't going to cold call people. You know, he's like, well, Hey, you're out, you, you, you went through your leads and didn't get many sales. So now it's time to start wrapping on doors. And I was like, uh, exactly what I don't want to do. Right. <laughs> At all. Yes. yes. And I didn't have the personality for it either. Like, um, I'm friendly and, and outgoing, but like when I was being trained, I would go to business calls with a senior salesman who was like, I mean, legitimately killing it, making a lot of money, winning the trip to the Poconos, the whole right. deal. And let's face it, sales is a job you can get rich at with no education. Absolutely. Okay. So this kid, we're not knocking salesmen who can do it. Right. This kid had it going on. He was getting all of that. Right. And, um, but we, we sat in a house in like a very nice house. And this guy was, um, the kid that was training me was arguing with this guy about his financial portfolio and belittling him. And I'm like, I've never seen this sales tag. This is crazy. And the guy was rich and he was trying to get him to buy an annuity because for annuities, we got like a 10% cut. Oh, wow. And at the end of an hour of belittling this guy, he got the sale. 
and he, I was like, so just by badgering him and beating him down, basically. Yep. And to me, I was already embarrassed 10 minutes in. I was like, we should just go. This guy's. Oh. And then we got in the car and he was like, if you want to make it, that's that's how you got to be. And I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not going to make it. It's interesting. You say so early on in my career, I had a job. At, I got a job in at a company selling software. Was, oh, we're gonna, we sell software. Okay. I guess I could try that. And it was the same thing. Like we don't cold call. Yeah. Bullshit. You totally cold call. And I ended up yep. after, you know, a couple of weeks in the uh, quality assurance department, basically policing the salespeople because I wouldn't do the things that were required or not required, but I, there were a lot of things that make you a successful salesperson. And if somebody says to you, well, I don't think I need this. And my personality is, well, then don't fucking buy it. Like, <laughs> right. Like I'm not like, I'm going to tell you percent. Right. I'm running into that shit right now. And then if you're like, oh, I don't really need it. You're like, okay, call me when you need it. Like, bye. <laughs> like, right. Like, so that yeah, I totally get it. I, I'm, I can talk here to you. I'm good communicator. I can talk on the street. I can talk people in and out of handcuffs, in and out of fights. I don't want to sell anybody anything. Right. Don't have, it's energy. not that you're not good at the sales portion of it. It's the allergic to dipshitness and I'm allergic to idiocracy and I can't and bullshit. So I get you dumb people that just are a yeah. get on your nerves. Yeah, so being phony, you're, like you're, you're being phony and you can feel, you know, you're being phony and you can't stand yourself. You're like, Oh, hundred ah. percent. Yeah. So you you learned you were being a phony and you decided that was not for you. Yeah, I was I was very much the guy picking up the phone. And they'd be like, uh, "Yeah, we're trying to eat supper." I'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Click." Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> so I was out literally on lunch break at this place, and in the in the um, newspaper there was uh, an ad for uh, a natural resource officer, which was um, kind of unique to Cape Cod, like a, like a local game warden. And for okay. my the summers through college, I would come home and I was uh, assistant harbor master for the harbor master um in the town i grew up in so i ran like the patrol oh, cool. boats and if people were in the was inland there a, was there a little old lady running around solving mysteries who wrote books on the side was it, like you grew up in murder she wrote man like <laughs> yeah i did you're a harbor master for your summers as a teenager that's hilarious go ahead it was a pretty good life so i did the harbor master gig and i read this and i had also when i was at college i had went through the part-time academy because like i said i still had that itch and i was mm. like maybe i'll just be a part-time cop so at the time now they don't exist but at the time you could go through a 148 hour academy six months one day a week yeah. sat one saturday a week and you would get certified as an intermittent officer where you'd have authority but you're you probably weren't gonna get thrown in a patrol car it's probably you were going to be either um, directing traffic in the summer or um right. being somebody's partner two-man car you were the backup officer you were the yeah counter report guy the house mouse See, you're the right. books you're you're like you can write with me but you're gonna do books and all of the reports and watch my back right you're like um permanent <laughs> permanent bitch right um, yeah you're wrong so we had, I was like that was good enough for me i was like i'll take it i'll do it the long so, academy i did that academy it was pretty much a joke and um but i had it in my resume and, um, I saw this job for a natural resource officer and I, I read the requirements. It was basically a, 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 a Marine resource officer. So like the Harbor, the lead assistant to the Harbor master, who was also the director of natural resources, yada, 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 but it was sworn. 
and um, badge, gun, authority, the whole thing. I was like, oh, so this wouldn't be like my summer job where I was wearing khakis and, you know, people, it was right. optional if I told somebody to slow down in the slow no right. wake zone. This is like, okay, I'd have a truck with blue lights. Sure. This, this seems way cooler. I'm outside. You could shoot somebody. Yeah, I could, I could blast a fool like right away. <laughs> like immediately. Jumpster, you're like, they gave me a gun. <laughs> That's what I did my first you know, day. I'm like, this is so cool. Right. The funny thing is when you first go on the job, you're like, wow, I have a gun. I can fucking shoot someone like if it comes down to it. And it's almost like you're like, oh, man. That's kind of like an interesting Scary, thing. Like, 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 yeah, like a little bit like in the back of your mind, you're like that's kind of cool, but like, kind of. And now you get like longer in your career, like oh, I don't want to fucking even bring my gun out. Like I really don't. <laughs> yeah. want to do any of that <laughs> None of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Every every new cop, you carry your gun. Every you carry your gun everywhere. And <laughs> by the time you get retired, like you know, you you do understand. I understand my dad in his seventies now is retired LAPD. He's like. Uh, and everybody else is armed. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will take care of me. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah. When you're new, you're, you're running around with the full size duty piece on your hip off duty. Oh God, yeah. For sure. So you're uh, now what's the responsibilities in that? Like, are you inspecting crab pots and lobster traps and like compliance? Yeah. yeah. Like you're so a, a, a Marine resource officer where I was, for natural resource department was um so in the summertime it's boat patrols there was a patrol on um lewis bay which goes into hyannis harbor and then mm -hmm. there's a patrol in bass river so you'd have um you'd interview and hire usually kids from like mass maritime or some college kids like i did where i was that would mm -hmm. run a patrol boat were good at maneuvering a boat and you know knew how to like drive through the navigational markers and weren't going to, usually they grew up on the Cape and they all had a boat since they were 10. So you'd hire these kids, they would run the patrol boats. And it was basically about helping people like, Hey, I'm broken down or Hey, someone, we even had a plane crash. One time we went to that. Like it was kind of like a rescue slash helper role on the water for the part-timers. I supervise them. Go ahead. The, uh, the, um, I always see this, this, this one, like, uh, I guess waterway. And I think it's out where you're at is it it's like all those like little dinghies and stuff trying to make it through and like the water's like crazy choppy and you know <laughs> i think you just described every tiny well no this shit's wild like, like boats are boats capsizing it like if you don't yep. know what you're doing you'll get capsized is that out where you i don't know if you've seen that i don't know where it's called i forgot the name of it something straight well but it's there is Nosset inlet and chatham inlet which are bars that form and they change every year the shoals so it it is right tumultuous there it's like you know white water depending on the how what the tide's yeah. at but you're probably thinking of um like north carolina where they test the the navy and the coast guard boats there's a there's an inlet down there where they flip no, boats there. intentionally oh okay yeah. so not there but anyway so there. you're you're checking <laughs> compliance and stuff like that on the harbor and hunting and fishing and uh, hunting freshwater and fishing, fishing. yeah okay oh, cool atvs and did cool job for a 22 year old kid you know did you arrest yeah. people in, in that job we could we had no but did you no i never okay. did Got no it. <laughs> it was it was kind was of totally amped for like some drunk fisherman in a bar fight like and you had to arrest him for you know no, it was, some dude with a fishing knife i don't know it was like we were uniformed and we could and people mm -hmm. had in the past um but it was very much like we would most of the environmental stuff you would like do a complaint for. It would like, you wouldn't, okay. you know, mm -hmm. say, yeah. I mean, the one time I got a guy in a warrant um, because I just ran into him illegally dumping, but that wasn't really like a, 
like it wasn't like an investigatory like arrest or anything like what that wasn't common at all right um, there was no open charge it was just right. hey right you've got a warrant i'm gonna take you in could you have got him for the open charge for illegally dumping and then secondary for the warrant probably but you're like ah, this is easier let's get him off the the, the waterway <laughs> yeah it, it was you know it's a problem solving charge so exactly. then, then hunting there was you know check hunters in the fall and uh in the spring and you know it was a great job it really was but it didn't um there's really no overtime there was no you couldn't road work road jobs or private private gigs mm -hmm. um so the money i ended up buying a house and i still had that itch like i was like okay i'm like a green cop now i'm like a harbor master on the cape but um i still am looking at the police career like well if i'm doing this I, why not just go to the full-time academy and right just let's, let's just do it let's, let's just do it yeah do, do the thing do so it. Now that I look back, if I had some, if I somehow could have got paid more for that first job, should have just sat my ass there for my career, you know, because it oh. was, it was a good gig. hundred percent. Knowing 100%. what you know now, you're like, man, I should have just stayed. Yep. Great gig. Well, it's the guys, the guys at the sheriff's department that in, in, in our county that worked, uh, they worked courts in the winter and they worked the lake uh, or uh, Lake Nassimiano during the summer. So it was shorts and, and drunk college girls all summer and oh yeah probation and parole all winter you crackhead spinning on you or anything right no anyway so you so you go to the full-time academy then yes say, screw it i'm doing it yep like a town um where actually i went to high schools we had a regional high school uh town of east ham just north of orleans where i grew up they needed two officers and uh they were having trouble finding people. So me and a buddy of mine actually went to high school with applied and it was, it was hard to get a town to send you to police Academy because it, right. they have pay tuition. Then they mm -hmm. pay you hourly, you know, the whole deal. Yep. And then like if a, you get hurt, then right. Oh yeah. Right. It's not right. like a big city. These, these places had tight budgets. No, they, you put yourself through the Academy and then they go and they start recruiting towards right. the end. Right. From the, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So luckily they were hard up enough where they entered, they had so many people come and leave because Cape Cod is such a weird place to live. Summers are packed. The town, the town population is quadruple. And then all winter, it's like crickets. It's like quiet. It's like gray. There's nothing, there's no, nothing to do for recreation because it's all summer based. So there's no sure. like mountain no mountains, no nothing. It's just gray and cold. So people would come and, and work a summer and be like, this is great. It's, it's pretty busy. And like, it's beautiful, the beaches. And then they do a couple winters and they would just go back to New York or go back to wh wherever they came from. So right. this place was having trouble with retention. So they brought me and this other kid in and they said, your local guys, we have a feeling you'll stay. We will do the full boat Academy, everything. We'll, we'll train you. You just got it. Not awesome. even, a, not even a written contract. They said, just give us three to five years don't bail no, on us awesome. immediately that's so, awesome because because th that's that's like at least saying we know we know that we're doing you a solid by putting you through the academy if you do us a solid by sticking around exactly and and, and they just asked you for a handshake commitment that's that's cool it was cool and it actually really my buddy's still there it's a great department uh now it's been really built up and the, a guy that i was was a senior patrolman when i came in is now the chief of police he's oh, a younger wow. younger guy he's like 45 but he's like very smart um he's he's you know always been been good at at admin stuff and the mm -hmm. guys like him so it kind of it kind of worked out great but yeah I, I stayed there and you know there were <laughs> there were phone calls and messages from other chiefs that were like hey you know we got the spot and uh 
if you want to slide over here, we can do X, Y, and Z for you. And I turned them down because I, I, they had told me we're going to invest this in you. Just please don't burn us. Right. So I didn't, I stayed there. Right. And, yeah. yeah. I told him I won't, I won't leave here for another police job. Put it that way. If, right. if I leave, it will be for something different or, or I'll be moving out of state, you know, and that's, that's and what so then you moved out of state. Right. I did 10 years, um, four years, natural resources, 10 years with that PD. And then, right. um, wow. we really got, my wife and I just got, I mean, I don't know if you know the whole story. I don't want to drone on, but we just got like wanderlust. Like uh -huh. we were right. born and raised in the same towns, grew up there on this peninsula. And like at nighttime we would sit and talk about like, wouldn't it be cool if like, cause we owned our house, we had a mortgage, but we owned it. We're like, we could rent this right. place so easy. And what if we just, you know, went cross country and, and found a place or, you know, live somewhere else in the country for one, for one time in our lives, like just right. do, do just something. Say, just say you did. Right. Yeah. Just, we did it. We, 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 we made it. So I ended yeah. up online. I sat down and I put in, uh, an application for, I was looking for something police, um, parallel, you know, like, okay. Like adjacent, well, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would like my skill, like, okay, who I'm a cop. So yeah. what can I do No, Investigative like, work, security work. Right. Right. We all feel like we can't do anything else. So I'm like, I gotta have something close to it. Right. And but there's a lot we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with yeah. what we learn. Mm -hmm. So I, I saw the LAPD background position and uh, it was civilian. And I'm like, oh, I'll apply to that. Why not? And, it, you know, it's a city right. application. It was like 15 pages. Oh I'm like, yeah. took forever. I got a response and I'm sure they saw my address and were like, no, this is, this is reserved for like, LAPD guys that got injured or are retired or local agency guys that are still in the area. So they wrote back and said, you know, I'm, I'm on the, I took some, I think I took a test, like a, they had a weird aptitude test thing. And they said, you're on the list. We'll let you know. And, um, I didn't let that stop me. We still rent rented the house. We got in our camper and we took 40 days to go across the country, stopped at all the, like, you know, Nashville and, and Texas and all, all the, yeah, places. The, the Griswold family. Yeah, That's Graceland, cool. like oh, yeah. the Grand Canyon, everything we wanted to see and hadn't seen, we did that. And this is all on our life savings. You know, we're we're sure. just we're we're going, and we just had complete. Where I was like, listen, we're two able-bodied people. I'm a hard worker. I have a college degree. I have a resume. I have good references. There's no way that we can't do this and and land on our feet. There's just no way. It has to work. I have to believe it works. And if it doesn't. We can always come back with our tail between our legs and right. live in my parents, you know, above their garage until the lease runs out on the house, move back in and the PD would still take me back. Cause they said sure. they would. So that's what we did. We, and, and we pulled in. Oh, that's the, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I don't regret it at all. Amazing. Right. Um, life experiences. I mean, we pulled in, we decided on Southern California cause we had a friend that lived out there and we had visited and, um, uh, this is 2016. Um, and we pulled into San Dimas, a, a campground in San Dimas, and we woke up in the morning when we, our trip was finally over and it was like, um, uh, December, early December. Uh -huh. And it was like snow capped mountains, palm trees. And we were like, right. this is unbelievable. This is every bit they said it would be. This is incredible. Southern California is yeah. for people who Until have never been there, it right. is eye-opening the first time you can see palm trees and and snowy mountains and the beach and it right i always tell people that living in california is like uh being uh, being in a relationship with a really hot 
but abusive girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, because then eventually you're gonna you're gonna go to uh, South LA, East LA, right. Palmdale, yeah. Lancaster, and you're yes. like, hmm, this is right. these places are terrifying. Everybody yes. like, you want to hurt me. <laughs> exactly. Hey, so hey, we, hey, 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 hey. You did get hired. Some of us still live in these places. <laughs> <laughs> so you get hired, you become a background investigator, a civilian background investigator. Yep. And then do you ever transition to sworn? No, no, I don't. I just, okay. I did two years there and they were like, I would get my chops busted because I was like 36, you know, they're like, Hey, there, there is a, they were like, you know, there is a, you could go through the state and get a waiver and you might not be able to work at LAPD, but you could, once I made friends with people they're like, Hey, we like you. You're a good guy. We could get you in a job at like, um, uh, there's one real nice city up against the mountains, little town, uh, uh, I forget the name of it, uh, La Madre, but they're always looking for people. Oh yeah, um, there's there's like Monrovia, there's Claremont, there's all these little up in, right in the yes, foothills of LA. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and they're like, you could get right in there, and I was like, you know what, uh, this is pretty good. I'd never had like a real office job for any amount of time, and the sure. thing about backgrounds too is, I got to go to backgrounds, and I was working with like legends from LAPD, like right like, guy that's next to me was robbery homicide for 42 years, Jay Moberly. Oh, and he, the stories he had and the uh you know he solved a quadruple um homicide when he was on robbery homicide and and just and then like the supervising detective for the oj simpson trial was the desk down from him ron phillips uh-huh so he, he just the, the guys are awesome they were so cool and they were so old school they would be like right um they'd get their stuff done they were excellent investigators they trained me my buddy pat buchanan he was a captain in covina and then he worked there such a smart guy they trained me how to do it and then some days it would be like um they were going to lunch and i'd be like oh where are we going they're like oh, we're gonna go to um uh, i forget the Oliveira street in la oh Oliveira street yeah, oh, yeah. Go for like two and a half hours and i'm like guys i think we should get back and they're like nah don't worry about it kid this is fine this is it's how we roll <laughs> so we'd be yep. down there <laughs> eating lunch and I, I just got to see and besides that you made your own schedule so if you're like all right I got some paperwork I got to put together for backgrounds, the office, but I'm going to make these days my field days. And then you could just at will leave the office and go do your field stuff, knock on doors and, and all that other stuff. And I, I leaned on those guys big time for like, cause I didn't really know LA. I know South right. LA and East LA because I've heard of them. Right. But you I know them by, by the movies they've been in. <laughs> right. And I right. would show the guys like where I was going and they would be like, either like have somebody this is a place that we go with two people or you know just be right. careful um because i had a lot of candidates be like hey uh i, I really want to do this but my neighbor is um in a gang and he also sells drugs so if you knock on his door and tell him i'm applying to lapd gonna be a problem for my family so mm -hmm. we would literally take the the questionnaire that we would leave if no one was home and change it to like a different department at the top just city worker like so smart work sir yeah yeah right. just to protect the candidates because i mean a lot of them were good right. kids they were just like trapped in these neighborhoods right and like right. in fear of their neighbors who they would then be arresting later you know so and so would, then you you get the the itch to go back to police work is that yeah we i did that and unfortunately there's a big battle at lepd backgrounds for um for pay like we weren't retaining anybody and mm -hmm. they were not, they kind of had it made because for a long time, it was just guys who had pensions already coming sure. back for something to do. So while I was there, 
which is unbelievable. I got um, appointed to be a B2, which is a um, team leader for investigations because the floor was captains, chiefs, lieutenants, special agents from the federal government, all people that had no interest in supervising anybody because they'd already done it and it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they were like well we like steve uh steve is tolerable and if he was our probably they probably thought if he was our b2 we could just push him we around, boss him around. <laughs> yeah. he's a good dude he'll be a fine boss he'll listen to us when we tell him what to do right steve's the guy yeah, exactly <laughs> right so i end up taking a little that little test and i pass and i get promoted and then the 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 pay increase is like nothing. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is bad. Like at the time I'm working there and I'm right. also working security jobs. Uh, Ron Phillips hooked me up with, um, with oh. his friend's company. So I'm doing like Harry Winston delivering, right. um, high end, like 10, $15 million worth of jewels to celebrities in Beverly Hills. And, hmm. um, I also did, uh, I got to do some security gigs. Like I did LL Cool J at the MTV movie awards. I got to go like backstage with him and yeah, so I'm doing all that. The, all the LAPD gigs that you get because all those people live there. Yep. Exactly. Yep, right. so Oscars. I'm, I'm like, I'm hoping to like not have to jump at these calls when they come in and like have my salary increase. And, uh, it really wasn't, it wasn't there. And the problem with that is they would hire people they would hire people in and if the person was a good negotiator and they really needed to fill the spot, they would give them the money. So you would have a, one investigator is making 90,000 base and you're at 69. Same, whoa, same, whoa, whoa. same job. That's but, wild. But they'd be like, well, he was a detective in Glendale and um, you know, he worked some really big cases. I'm like, listen, you don't, you don't need that kind of brain for this kind of work. Right. Like, right. like we're, we're, we're turning out the same product, baby. Correct. Um, but this guy also has a hundred and sixty thousand dollar pension from Glendale, and now you're right. paying him ninety grand as well. It, it was just, you know, it, it was contentious. Right. And I had a buddy who um, supervised an SIU um, department for insurance company fraud investigation. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I reached out to him, and he was like, "Yeah, we'll pay you X, Y, and Z. Take home car. We'll pay for the internet to your house. Make your own schedule. Oh, nice. Give you a laptop." So I then left there and did that for two years mm. and now that, that was a fantastic job i mean every they paid for all expenses book your own travel it was i saw all of southern california from fresno to the mexican border it was incredible wow. so you saw mexico yeah i saw mexico fearfully <laughs> from the, fresno to the mexican border is northern mexico <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> right um so i think that's all sereno territory actually so there you go it was, um, there was times when my GPS was being weird and I was looking at Mexico on my left driving along and it was telling me to take lefts. And I was like, I, I just, I can't, I don't, I don't. I'm not going, I don't no. think so. I think that's a checkpoint. <laughs> yeah. Well, so now how long have you been sworn? How long have you been doing the, you know, you, you've been back at law enforcement. Three working. years. Okay. So I have a total of 16 years in law enforcement. Right. Wow. It, yeah. It would have been 20 if I hadn't taken a break or your sabbatical. When you left and you came back, did everything like when you left pause and when you came back, it just picked right back up. So it's putting back into your pension. That way you can do your 20 or 30 and then you can pull the pin. Yeah. I never touched my pension. So I'm still grandfathered in. So I just, I just, you know, yeah. In Massachusetts, um, on the books at the time, they would give you a five year absence with each year adding training to making you certified again. So if you're out a year, then it was like, you just need CPR first responder and 
firearms. And then, but I was out almost five years. So I had to do 160 hours of classroom, like in-service training, mm, CPR, wow. firearms, first responder class, and law updates, which were, was like drinking from a fire hose. Because Massachusetts, between the marijuana stuff and the juvenile laws, completely rewrote them. So right, I was in four years you were gone. Every every class I sat down and I was like, right. oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. Basically, you can't arrest for this. You can't arrest for that. And right. you shall notify uh, a parent <laughs> right. and give them phone calls. Right. Just basically do nothing. <laughs> uh, right. Call the uh, Department of Social Services. 100%. So now you're back on the job. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming you're happy to be back. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> let's face it, like it, it's a job like no other. Yeah, it, it, it is really, um, it, I don't want to be corny here, but it, it you Not really good. do get, uh, it's it's a job that you love and hate. It really yeah. is because yeah. there are times when you sign on and you're like, I just don't want to do nothing. I hope nothing happens. I'm exhausted. Right. I've worked 70 hours. I can't stand it. I can't stand people. If I get another drunk idiot, you know, that type of thing. And there's right, other right. times when you're doing some stuff where you're like, Oh, that was amazing. Like that really helped somebody or like, man, I can't believe I had the balls to grab that guy when he had the, the edge weapon or whatever, you know? And it's like, right. this is, right. this is great. And I, and I even talked to like, I have childhood friends I grew up with. Um, and one of them was his, even when we were in kindergarten, he wanted to be rich. He's like, he wanted the car. He wanted these, and he is now he's a <laughs> full partner in an equity firm in Boston. So he's Good a friend. millionaire and, uh, has a Maserati. But if you, when you're having beers and just talking, the mystique of police is in every man. Like there, right, right. it doesn't matter how much money they make. It's like, man, what's that like? Like you have a job that like to, to most men really matters. It's like, you have a job where it's, he's like, you know, to, if you're just dealing with numbers and making corporations money at some point, it's nice because it affords you a nice lifestyle. But are you, do you feel like fulfilled? Do you feel like I'm doing something for the community or I'm, I'm making a difference in, in, in some way in people's lives actually. Um, yeah, there's that element of when when Billy Crystal in City Slicker says, "I sell air," right? He he sold commercial. Is <laughs> I sell air? I sell nothing, right? At least architects have a building they can point to and go, "I designed that," right? right. So for people who, uh, especially I've noticed for people who deal in like things that are like money, like numbers, like concepts, like education, you right. know, the, non tangibles, non tangibles, mm -hmm. right? Construction guys, they can like, ah, I built that house. Absolutely. Problems. The trades are the same thing. They, the trades are very yeah. much. I, I did that. Right. You point right. to something. I did that. You know, well, what are you? I'm a crab fisherman. Uh, I caught $800,000 worth of crab in October. Uh, right. Oh, wow. That's, you know, you have something to say you did. Yeah. And I think that's in every man. Like no. I think every man yeah. has a mission. They, they right. want to have, a, we want to have a mission, something right. to accomplish, you know, it's right. deep seated. It goes back to when you were children playing cops and robbers in the backyard. Oh yeah. You know, you're, you know, and, and not too many people are like, I want to be the robber. You know, like I want to be the cop. I want to be the cops. I want to, I want to help the helpless person. Right. You know, it's, it's that, that whole sense of, I need to take care of other people and help them and protect them. And I think that is in most men. And it's, it's crazy because you have a friend that's a millionaire. I have a friend that that is very well off. I do not know his financial situation, but I know he owns his own company and has lots of, uh, he has a lot of money. And he always was like, oh, man, I wish I was a cop. I wanted to do it so bad, but they didn't take me. And I'm like, oh, but look what you do now, bro. Like, right. It doesn't matter, dude. There's, they just yeah, have that I mean, itch. 
So here, here, here was a question that was asked to me. Would you do the job if you wore a, a pastel polo shirt, khaki dockers, and drove a Camry? And the answer is no. No, I, no, no. That sounds terrible. No, right? Well, unless they have a badge on the gun. They gave us a badass shit. uniform. <laughs> they gave us a badge. They gave us a utility belt just like Batman, right? <laughs> right. right. They gave us the Batmobile because we got all the gadgets. And, you know, the, the only thing we don't have is the freaking the caltrops that drop out of the back the smoke screen and the, the, the oil slick, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and with spike strips, we kind of do have the caltrops now. <laughs> so the job is cool. Yeah. The job is cool. The rest of the shit that goes with the job sucks ass yeah, yeah. <laughs> like working for cities or commands that don't like cops uh, you're right i always told people yeah. i do the police work for free they pay me to do the paperwork and deal with the political bullshit right right but chasing bad guys if you told me right now hey there's the police are gonna go chase a bad guy a block from you and they're asking if you want to help i there is oh, no yeah. world in where i turn that down Right. Hey, right. hey, um, the police are going to terminate a pursuit in front of your house. And if you're willing to help them take the suspect into custody, then we're not going to pay you or anything. And if you get hurt, it's on you. But you can come out and kick some ass with them. <laughs> it's a no brainer. Yeah. Right. I'm doing mm -hmm. it. I'm, I'm kicking the ass. I'm chasing the bad guy. I'll do that for free. Absolutely. Yeah. When that when that stuff starts piling on, when it's like, you know, you're when when you're getting directives from City Hall, like say you're on day shift and. There, there's all kinds of admin day shift going on and oh, yeah. all of a sudden you get these little jobs and you're like, you know, you're being told by a Lieutenant, but at the same time you're like, this is not police work. Like, uh, right. Like, do right. I contractually, do I have to do this? Cause it sounds like right. out of my scope of what I should be doing. Do you guys call them apes? No. Acute political emergency. <laughs> apes? Yeah. I got an ape. It's just an, it's an acute political emergency. Never it's heard just, that before. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. Anyway, so Steve, I was going to say, Steve, that we're running out of time and we haven't even gotten to your stories, but Chuck's got a question for you. So, yeah, just when you took your four-year hiatus or break, and then you came back and you did all the schooling, your first day on patrol or the first day you got back into a black and white, and you're out there patrolling, was it like? A culture shock almost or was it just right back into the mix and you're just like riding a bike and you're like yeah like i hadn't ever left uh i felt a little bit i i wasn't sure i would ever i was going to make it back because the police reform had started in mass at this time and they oh, were right. as i was getting up to date on my training they were telling me uh your your gap in service might have been too long Ooh. you they might not accept your certification like they were saying stuff like that stuff like that to me so i felt i was feeling like this is maybe not going to happen maybe this is like just a pipe dream to get back into this mm. and um i'm riding around with another person kind of being like lightly broken in because i had such a break and i just felt i felt weird i felt like an imposter because of that i felt like i'm doing doing something for nothing maybe and maybe i'm not even right. going to be able to hold on to this because i initially was so proud to have the badge on the chest again and be in uniform and be like i'm back i'm back mm -hmm. baby let's do it mm -hmm. you know um and then but i do remember specifically when that all got they ultimately they had to adhere to the um laws on the books and when i came back 
the laws that were given to me and were, that were still in place um, preceded any kind of reform. So they're like, no, th these people can, as long as he, there's nothing in his record, his background's good, then there's no reason not to let them back. This is how we've always done it. We have not changed anything yet. We're not going to like, um, you know, re retroactively boot cops when we can't even get cops. Like the guy wanted to come back. Right. right. What, what are He's we like, doing? Uh, guys, guys, you realize that he wants to come back, right? Shut up. <laughs> Say right. yes. Right. Say, take him. Right. He's not a felon. He seems he kind of normal. Sell drugs the entire time he was gone. I mean, I know he right. went to California, but. Right. So we know we got high every day, but besides that. Right. Besides that. <laughs> So, so the floor is yours, man. I, I'm curious to know if your better stories were from being before you left or after you left, because obviously the country went through a very big shift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. And I, the one thing now you say that the thing I've noticed is the um, I where I work now is a small regional department that does um, two towns and consider kind of the hill towns of Western Mass, and they combine because of police reform and not being able to have two separate departments. They right. combined. Right. And um, these places are, it's not a big place. And the mental health stuff is mm -hmm. like quadruple what I remember right. from working like in a populated place. Like the, right. it's friggin' everywhere. Like we used to do, you guys are 5150s. We call them section 12s, involuntary okay. taking of somebody. Right. Um, my old job, like in the summer, it also was a small place, but like in the summer, there was like 40,000 people in town. Um, it was only, the town was only, I think it's like 13 square miles. Everybody's on vacation. We only had like uh, 16 cops. We'd hire, we used to be allowed to hire an army of summer cops to help, but then that kind of got taken away. So we were busy and there was a lot of craziness going on, but there was like doing a section 12 was kind of rare. Like it was kind of like, it was yeah, a like last resort kind of a yeah kind of like are we gonna right. do this you know because you really right. you really had to be like i'm gonna kill myself to the cop and then we we're like okay there we go section 12 right um but now uh i work in a small place in the rural rural policing and they come up way more than i thought they would the the mental right. the mental state of the younger people is um destroyed like they just don't seem like they can function that leads into a really yeah. common thing nowadays it's cool to have mental illness and you know like i've seen so many police videos where the people come out and they're like do you have any issues like why well, have mental illness you're like no no, no like any physical issues to perform asshole. like a yeah <laughs> right, and they're yeah. just they just come out and they're like well i have a mental illness i have this i have that and parents you're even bringing that up with their kids and they noticed that you know a while back you'd go to the house for a 5150 or a section 12, like you, like you just said, but mm -hmm. um, you, you would get there and you'd be like, so do they have any the land first? Like, and it's, what was that? Whoa. I think I'm, yeah, go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> Wasn't me. Um, and you would get there and then you'd be like, does your kid have any mental illness? Like, yeah, he has a mental illness. You're like, yeah, what does he, what does he have? ADHD. And you're like, that's not a mental illness. Stop it. Stop <laughs> right. telling your kid they have a fucking mental illness because then they're going to grow up and they're right. going to think that they need special treatment or whatever because they have a mental illness. No, they do not have a mental illness. It's not a learning disability. It's it's just a way that they function. It's yeah, like, the next thing you know, the kid will be a lady boy and be like, well, this makes me happy. It's like it's the, crazy. It's it's the shit that gets feed, uh, fed into these young kids is just it's the, wild. The amount of, yeah. 
the the so anyway so you're back you're you're the mental health stuff and i'll tell you this in the new uh position and realm that i work in uh which is you know public service adjacent um yeah mental health stuff is huge right now i think uh there's an element of covid pushing people a little bit beyond their breaking yeah. point uh yeah and then there's kids who are unable to regulate because like their parents were losing their minds and just gave up on them. And so for two years that it's been like Lord of the flies. Mm -hmm. So you've got three year olds that are now five year olds who still act like three year olds. Yeah. And they don't, they, there's no, like even the schools, like I see their, their, the, um, the discipline, like it's like, yeah. um, if someone's acting out, it's because past trauma, they can't help it. Therefore can't be disciplined. It's like, no, you're right. just, this is a snowball and you're just pat, you're adding to it. Like, right. The kids should have been disciplined probably severely right. earlier, like really corrected by a parent. But now they're right. in school and nobody will, will discipline the kid because they always well, somebody got failed to get the ass whooping they so desperately needed. Yeah. I'm like, did the kid go to Vietnam? Something I don't know. Like the, he doesn't have PTSD. You know, yeah. it's like he's just a brat and now he's he's completely out unchecked. So it's like every level I see when I'm working that they're that that these things are just um like it says, like a snowball, they're just getting bigger and, and badder. And uh, it's terrible, man. So now what kinds of things uh, beyond the sad, depressing state of the mental health of this country, what kinds of things do you are unique to the New England police officer? Because this is this is something I've always been fascinated by. I grew up in L.A. My dad was LAPD. I mean, all the badges that I've ever seen were based on the LAPD style of, you know, the shield with the building on it and the, this yep. and that. Right? Okay. East coast policing is very different, right? Yeah. There's is a big difference in style and, and, and stuff like that. So what kinds of things do you face or are you facing as an East coast police officer that West coast police officers just wouldn't understand? I don't know if there's anything, that contrasting, uh, what I notice about the two places just from living in both of them. And we do mm -hmm. have Boston, which is Boston Metro is like 5 million people, like the Boston, the city surrounding right. it. Sure. But um, it's still East coast. It's like, yeah, a, yeah. We, we shoot way less people than major cities on the coast. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I don't really, I'm not sure why, but I, I think it's, I had a class once with an attorney and we were complaining that we're charging people and the courts here are letting them off. And his point was, um, well, California does that too, but his point was, well, yeah. let me give you the stats for three strike states. Mm -hmm. And he gave us an officer shot for three strike states versus Massachusetts, which was softer. Right. And he's like, this is mm -hmm. why you're not being shot and getting in shootings. It's because the court systems are so different. Um, and there is an element of that three strikes law that turns people. I mean, one of the guys that, uh, you know, tried to kill me and my partner, he's a third striker. And yep. he said, if I'm going to go out and back, I'm going to go out and classic line. Court. I ain't going back alive, boys. Right. I, well, okay. So here, there's your, there's your point, right? If we've been, you're never going to take me alive. That's like the thirties, right? You're never going to take me alive. Right. Copper. <laughs> See, and then you go back to the old wizard. Hey, you're going to have to carry me out. You know, if that's a big trope, it's because we've been saying it as men right? for hundreds, you know, 
King Leonidas. We'll they're going to darken the air, the sky with their arrows. Well, then we'll fight in the shade. It's like oh, it's no better scene than when he kicks that guy in the well. Like, oh, yeah, kick so, him in the yeah. well. This is Sparta. <laughs> Boom. So it goes back to like what you were saying about the people that get into police work and your personality and what you know spoke to you about doing something and about it being fascinating to other people. I often say that if you look at people who get out of the military, there's a large percentage of them that either go into police work or the prison system. Mm -hmm. Right. And the need or propensity to do violence against, you know, someone else to, to, to test yourself, to be put in situations where it's life or death and make a difference. Right. That exists in so many men and some women, but mm -hmm. really is so prevalent in men. And then we get into these professions. And then if you take that energy and you don't channel it the right way early on, right? That's why dirty cops are really dirty. Right. That's right? it's, it's right. why somebody could have a, a service record in the military, but they, they had a shitty childhood growing up. And then when they get out of the military, they're back to chaos and no structure and no, no, no right. guidance. And then they just go to prison. Right? Yeah. yeah. And they look for brotherhood in the wrong places too. Sometimes. Right. Like in motorcycle clubs, gangs. Bikers, oh. yeah. Well, that was bike. The Hell's yeah. Angels were a result of World War II. They're literally mm -hmm. named after a bombing squadron from World War II because the bikers came home or the, the soldiers came home and didn't have the same camaraderie and the same brotherhood and mm -hmm. that same like pucker factor of holy shit the adrenaline rush of i could die today i me and my brothers mm -hmm. are gonna live on the edge right that was gone so what do they do well right. they ride motorcycles with no helmets they get into bar fights that the, the hell's angels are pretty much a club born out of ptsd i would bet <laughs> yeah, yeah that's interesting yeah you know it's funny that you say that the, the statistic between three strike states and then like the non three strike stakes states <clears throat> it's funny because i had a, a broly that was like, I'm not going back. And we ended up getting into a fight and put his face through some tile and, you know, stuff happened. And he went to right. the hospital and went to, to back to prison. But that was his big thing. He's like, I'm not going out without a fucking fight. You're not taking me. I'm not willingly submitting to your arrest. Go fuck yourself because I'm not going back to prison. Or at least I'm not going back without a fucking fight. And I was like, all right. You so know, is what it is. That makes it, it's interesting. The yeah. crooks need to need to realize that they want us to go back to old school policing. The crooks want us to go back. To, they just want an ass whooping. And they will. <laughs> yes. Right. We're okay. Right. We'll, yeah. we'll take the three strikes law off the table, but here's what we want in return. If you're sentenced to death, you're going to die within six months. We're not, we're not like stretching out death row. Any stop a lot of shit. <laughs> right. So if you get sentenced to death, you roll the dice, bro. Right. We're not going to three strikes you. But if at some point you roll the dice and you come up snake eyes, and you get sentenced to death, you'd be dead in six months. That's first right. and foremost. Second and right. second, if the cops come to whoop your ass and they whoop your ass because you did something stupid, all that has to happen is you did something stupid. The ass whooping that comes after that belongs to you. You own yeah. it. Right. Now, that being said, if the cops whoop your ass and you go to jail, it's oh, that's it right there's no they whooped your ass you got what was coming to you yeah. right mm -hmm. that, that i i just can't explain that criminals would re society would really like it if we went back to the police work of 
say, you know, I don't know, somewhere around the thirties. <laughs> yeah. Well, my dad used to stand in front of a judge, um, in like he started, he, I think he started like the late seventies and they had a local judge that was kind of like that. He, if a guy stood up there and he had the bag beat out of him and he was mm -hmm. complaining, the judge would go, oh, what did you do to get yourself involved with the police? Like, right. why did you catch this beat? He'd actually ask him, why'd you catch this beating? Yeah. And then he would be like, listen, why don't you not get in trouble anymore? But the same token, <laughs> my dad said cops were, a lot of them would charge if they went to arrest somebody and the guy pulled away or tried to wrestle with them. The same judge would say, listen, did the guy deck you? Well, no, he just pulled away and pushed me or whatever. He goes, well, no one likes their freedom being taken away. Right. And I'm not going to sit here and listen to resisting arrests for every single arrest you throw at us. No. So the judge would throw right. that out. So he was like very just common sense, old school, small town judge. Yeah. Like right down the middle type of thing. Yeah, right? that's it. That's it. Right. I, if the cops <laughs> go overboard, I'm going to get it in their ass. Right. And if the crooks do something stupid and deserve it, I'm going to get in their ass. And if I if, like that way, I, that's the way it should be. That's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it worked. It, it did work. You know, when you had hanging judges. Too many and, feelings now. No. Uh, yeah. Oh God! Don't even get me started. You should come on locker room if you want to talk about feelings, and I'm going to hold you to it. You you volunteered. You did say, and there's no take backs. Hey, so you guys gave me two. I owe you two. That's true. Chuck <laughs> and I gave you an episode each, and so we have right. to get an, an episode. Of locker I'd be room. happy to, man. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll see what's going on. I don't think we're going to have locker room uh, this week because of Thanksgiving, but we might. I love so an away game. No editing. Nothing. Right. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right, the, oh, you're yeah. all you're all about this episode because you don't do any heavy lifting, right? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I got a, I got done uh, with my episode on your podcast, and I just turned off my computer and walked away. You're like, was, don't I need to do something else? <laughs> Although I did have to, I did you 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 forced me to get involved in social media and do sharing and comments and all that kind of stuff. So I, yep. I owe you one for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a good time, and uh, we always. Uh, you know, we always end with uh, a dedication. Um, but uh, I think Chuck's going to provide the dedication this week. Am I correct, Chuck? Uh, yeah, I have one. It's a uh, senior police officer, George Pastor. Senior police officer, George Pastor was shot and killed during a hostage barricade at 9308 uh, Bernoulli Drive at about 4.10 a.m. Patrol officers had initially responded to a residence of a domestic violence call involving a stabbing shortly before 3 a.m. Arriving officers located an injured victim outside of the home and learned there were two more injured victims inside. As officers attempted to enter the home to rescue the victims, a suspect inside opened fire, causing the officers to retreat. The agency SWAT team arrived at the scene and attempted a hostage rescue at about 4.30 a.m. The suspect opened fire on the SWAT team, fatally wounding Officer Pastor and wounding a second officer. The officers returning fire killed him. Uh, killing him. Uh, the two other victims were also found deceased inside the home. Officer Pastor has served at the Austin Police Department for four years. He is survived by his wife, two stepsons, and parents. He was 38. His tour was four years, and his badge number is 9097. So now Chuck had our had a dedication, but we also like to give our guests a chance to dedicate their episode to whomever they choose. And I understand uh, you have somebody that you would like to dedicate your episode to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't know him that well, but we did work at the kind of neighboring agencies and it, he was killed in the line of duty when I was in LA and it was uh, shocking to see it. Young guy, he was a canine officer for Yarmouth PD. His name was Sean Gannon. He, um, 
in post, he was made Sergeant Sean Gannon. Um, he was survived by his wife. And um, I know she uh, she had a really hard time, obviously, with it. And she got a lot of support from uh, Yarmouth PD and surrounding communities. But um, just a really, I only met him a few times, really nice, positive, hardworking uh, young cop. He was searching an attic for a fugitive. And from talking to other canine guys, because I'm not a canine guy, but they tell me addicts uh, are the absolute worst because you don't know. Mm -hmm. At some point, you need to put Somebody's your head up. Somebody's got to stick their head up there. You got to put your head up there. And Sean yep. did, and he paid the ultimate price for it. Uh, the bad guy is in jail. And they they actually did out of it came Narrow's Law, um, which uh, enables police canines to get um, medical aid uh, from, uh, I believe, um, first responders on the scene and, and stuff like that. Cause the, his dog was also shot and survived. Right. So mm -hmm. narrows laws because of Sean's death, but, um, yeah, I would dedicate it to him. God bless him and his family. Well, rest easy brothers. We've got it from here. Um, and that's always the not fun part of the show, but, uh, I think the, the best part is when we tell people how they can find Stephen yeah. Gould and the Things Police See podcast. Because for our audience, granted, we we know there's crossover. We we've gotten several comments that have said, "Oh, my two favorite police podcasts." Yeah, that's great. Peanut butter finally meeting, right? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. The best part of any podcast is when I plug my podcast. Right, hundred um, percent. Yeah, thingspolicesee.com has everything from the show there. The episodes are there, but uh, you can find the podcast anywhere. Podcasts are available, Apple podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anything like that. And, and like you said, Tom, the, um, the emails I get are like, you know, can you do more interviews or like whatever? So it's like, there's not, there's not a, um, we're not oversaturating the market. Like there's, mm -hmm. they want more. So it's kind of a right. perfect, it's a perfect right. partnership where you guys have yeah. similar things going on. And my hat's off to you for doing like extra, like doing, I, I, I do cops in the news once in a while and I really enjoy the hell out of it, but I just can't, I just don't have the time to, um, right. I, you guys got two guys, which is great. It's just me. So I can't really um, produce it all the time, but, um, you guys are kind of venturing into other, other aspects, which is just, which is great because people love the interviews, but they also love to hear you mm -hmm. go off the cuff and hear your ideas and stuff and how you react to news. So let's just start our own network. Yeah, we should. Let's just start our own network. We'll start buddy, on version of the Daily Wire, but it's for first responders. Get my buddy in Boston and be like, dude, this is just like if you're a cop, except you're just funding our network. Right. Same, same thing. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Give him one of my badges. 100%. We'll get, yeah. Hey, we will get, I will get him a badge. Hell yeah. 100% get him a badge. I don't know. <laughs> what one badge? Say. How about we'll three badges, buddy? Three badges. Yes, three badges. <laughs> Total. Start our own network. Yeah. Just need a quarter mil. Do you do social media? Um, yeah, I mean, I do Instagram. Yeah. Good point. Sorry. So yeah, people can worst, find you on. Worst promoter. Yeah. Uh, Dude, I, 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 I am on Twitter. We are on this show is on Twitter and we don't ever tweet. It's, it's uh, X. Whatever. <laughs> There's a reason that Twitter rhymes with litter. Yeah. Because it's all uh, fucking trash. I'm on Twitter and I've never had probably like you, you've experienced like it's for famous people. I've never had any luck or any attention, but, um, yeah. Instagram again, you guys are killing it. I'm, I'm at things. Please see. For Instagram, I'm wicked late to the game. I uh started oh, the there, account. There's that East Coast. I was waiting for it. I was wa I was waiting. Oh, the wicked. We're gonna get wicked. Yeah. Wicked late. Um, so my just just out of pure uh being oblivious, but I'm I'm on there now and I'm posting stuff and I posted right. clips of uh Tom and there will be 
uh, clips of Chuck on there as well. So um, Instagram, and then also there's a Facebook group that uh, you can join. So, well, cool. so this will be out. Uh, this is Monday's episode. So for those of you listening to this, we're recording this on Saturday. Uh, we have yet to finalize whether we wanted to do a Thanksgiving episode this week because we normally release on Thursdays, but Thursday is Thanksgiving. Downloads so will be down. We might go live on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving and give the things we're thankful for. We're not sure. So keep keep watching. Uh, Locker Room Live is uh, Wednesday nights at 8.30 Pacific time for those of you who want to join us there because uh, we've still got people reaching out. Uh, and follow us on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff because if you do, when you hit... I always feel so stupid being hit that like a subscribe, you know, that juicy algo. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but it, it, if you do follow us, you do like us, you do subscribe, whatever you will get the notifications when we do like this episode's not live, but we do some interviews live. We do our debriefs live. Um, and we do locker room live. So for locker room live, you can pretty much count on joining us Wednesday nights at eight thirty Pacific time. Uh, and then Chuck has Chuck. How, how else can they find us? What else can they do to support us? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you everyone for listening. If you like today's podcast, please help support us by liking and sharing or hitting that like button, that notification bell button, all that happy mumbo jumbo bullshit. Yeah, smash it. <laughs> I don't care. Smash uh, that Seriously, <laughs> follow us, like us, uh, and, and share all that stuff. Our Instagram is at war underscore stories underscore official, and our Facebook is at war stories podcast. Please like and share all, all that stuff there. We have a link in the bio to everything, our Facebook, our website, our YouTube, all that good stuff. If you want to find us at our website, it's www.warstoriesofficial.com. We have some merch there. And if you think you have a story that you want to tell and be featured on the show, go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. I can get you booked. We're always looking for veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, medics, but also corrections, dispatchers, and nurses. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us. Give them our booking email um, and hook us up and link us, and I'll get them booked for the show. Thank you for the support. Stay safe. That's right. And just to solve that mystery from earlier, uh, it was a pop-up. I have multiple windows open while I'm controlling. I hate that. And one of them started playing an ad or a video in the background, and uh, I didn't have that page muted. So Happened to me today yeah. on an interview. Yeah, see, there you go. So warts and all, man. We, we do the show warts and all. Um, very, very few edits, especially when you watch it live. Uh, yeah. So join us live. Uh, Steve, again, it was a good time. Thank you we'll for having me, man. Had a blast. So we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to have, we're gonna have to owe you one because you have to come back for another war stories to actually share. I know, I know. We, told the story. we had so much fun just talking about how we got into. Like, we didn't even touch on how you started podcasting or anything like that, dude. It we, flew by. I can't believe it's I mean, been an hour. Yeah, it's we're we're our, we're late. If anything, so yeah. and you uh, have very interesting, like how you became a cop and then left and came back like that's not like not, it's not normal for a lot of people so it's it's very interesting and yeah, people love you to hear leave, that stuff you left so, yeah. and came back you know that's i mean yeah. it's like mob man they you got out and they pulled you back in what a dummy yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so uh steve you have to come back do another war stories share a story this time because we ran out of time today um and I'm uh We'll we'll let you know. Uh, it, the locker room gig is 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 usually a like a, we'll give you a heads up and say okay this Wednesday eight thirty and then you just send mm -hmm. you the link and you join us and then it's a free for all man so bring your a game also right. bring some jokes bring some jokes with you got it. 
we do big joke energy for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> got and, it. And make each other groan or laugh, one of the two. Chuck, you got anything? I know you gave our big closing, but uh... no, just uh, huh? thanks for the support. And, and if you really like, okay, so if you want to for us to debrief stuff, send it to us. Don't just send yeah. it to you on Instagram. But if you do send it on Instagram, please double tap and send it to uh, either mailbag or booking. That right. way we can have it and we can look at it because things get lost in that, in that direct so message. We get messages on, on yeah. direct message with people just sending us silly videos. If, you, if it's a legit good video that you want us to debrief, it'll get lost in the DMs. So you got to make sure you send it to us on email too. Or send us an email referencing your DM. Something other than just a DM. So. Yeah. All right. And until our next episode, come home with your shield or on.